You're listening to the High Performance Hoops Podcast, bringing you your one-stop shop on all things training, sports performance, nutrition for athletes, and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and help you crack the code on elite athletic performance with your host, Julian Lacosto. What up, fellow Hoopers, basketball enthusiasts, and coaches out there? Welcome to episode five of the High Performance Hoops podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I am your host, Julian Lacosto. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. If you've been here before, throw us a rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't. We love having you guys here. Boys and girls, tonight I'm coming to you live. This is... The 25th of September, you guys will probably be listening to this probably a month from now in October. Um, I'm coming to you live after watching the the New York Jets. I am, I am a sad New York Jets fan uh, for all those of you that are listening. Uh, if there's anybody out there that's a sad Jets fan, uh, you know the misery of the game that we just watched against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. They put us, uh, wow, that was a tough game to watch. If anybody was there, uh, I was also there. Uh, so, you know, you know, my pain. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, I'm coming to you live after the game now, uh, talking to you guys today about what is basketball strong and is there such thing as being strong enough? I think this is, uh, a phrase that's being, put out there in the basketball realm of things, um, quote unquote, basketball strong uh, in terms of what we're talking about now, uh, that's been thrown around a lot in the industry. And I feel like when it comes to talking about basketball strong, you have to first define what strength is. So when discussing strength, you know, we're essentially, it boils down to basic physics and that's, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. So essentially, if you move a load that has mass, and in order to move it, you need acceleration, speed to be present. So for example, if the mass of an object or load on the bar is the same or constant, but you're, you know, you're, there's more acceleration or speed present. So if you're moving it really, really fast, then you're achieving more force. So in that essence, you know, because of the fact that there's more acceleration present at a constant mass, you know, force is going to be increased. And vice versa, if you have the same speed or acceleration present with a heavier load on the bar, so if you're trying, if you're throwing on more weight on the bar, but you're moving it at the same speed as you were when it was lighter, then, you know, force is also going up. So if you revisit physics, I can't speak tonight, guys, I'm sorry. Force is a direct product of both mass and acceleration. So when one goes up while the other stays constant, we'll always see an increase in force production. And that kind of bleeds into the next thing when it comes to talking about strength. And that's the whole idea of this load, velocity, and force relationship. You know, as we, as we go and talk about strength, you need to have an added appreciation for this particular relationship that exists between force, velocity, and load. You know, remember, the load on the bar is not the exact measure for the amount of force an athlete or an individual can produce in a given amount of time in a specific moment. 
Um, the number on the bar does not come with a force number in newtons, you know, unless you're squatting or deadlifting on a force plate, you know. However, in regards to strength and improving overall force production or force producing abilities, you know, there are a couple statements that typically hold true. So if you lift more weight, typically you see an increase in force. And if you lift the same amount of weight, but faster, you see an increase in velocity. So the goal when it comes to force and improving strength is to essentially shift the force velocity curve up and to the right. Now, if anybody is, you know, looking at a force velocity curve, you know, if we move, you know, you have the force uh, axis on the left hand side and you have velocity on the bottom. You know, if we're moving it up and to the right, you know, we're essentially, you know, increasing that force production. And, you know, the last thing that we have to talk about in regards to strength is, you know, the concept of a strength reserve. And so that's, you know, if in theory we can improve maximal strength or and a majority of sporting movements are performed at submaximal intensities, we can therefore improve the operational output that we can produce in game. So meaning, you know, if Joe Schmo over here can lift or produce an X amount of force um, in a given moment in a game, if we can somehow increase his ability to produce force, you know, over time, then we can essentially increase his total force outputs in games if we can just increase his total force production because essentially that now sub-maximal load or sub-maximal intensity is now going to be increased from where it was prior and now his new sub-maximal intensity is going to be higher or greater than it was since the last game that he was able or output that he was able to put out during his last uh, outing in game. So those are all big keys and why essentially there is this relationship between load, velocity, and force that we have to be aware of when it comes to talking about being strong. Um, so yeah, the big key though when developing strength and understanding your is understanding your audience and demographic. So as athletes, we're not trying to become the next great strongman or powerlifter, you know, if strength was the be-all, end-all of athletic development, then, you know, powerlifters and strongmen would surpass the NBA's best in the sport. And that's typically not the case. So you can certainly take concepts and training ideologies from some of the world's greatest powerlifters, um, but this should not be the only means for improving overall performance as it pertains to your sport. You know, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. And, you know, there's essentially five major principles to developing strength and that kind of bleeds right into that next topic for developing strength and that's you know one you know strength requires progressive overload so you know arguably the most important aspect of strength training progressive overload is simply the idea of kind of doing more over time so for example you could be adding more weight to the bar doing additional reps excuse me and or performing additional sets you know, aside from the variables above, another one that I didn't mention that is kind of crucial for beginners is improving technical execution of a lift itself. So simple and plain, you know, if you're performing the same workout 
and you can execute a lift with the same load with better control through full range of motion, you can chalk that up to being an additional improvement over time. And that'll go into topic number two or, or method number two, and that's, you know, said dictates strength. So, you know, the said principle is essentially the fundamental principle in the field of strength and conditioning. So, you know, the said principle or um, specific adaptations to impose demands states that an athlete's body will adapt to exactly what is being demanded of it. So no more or less. And essentially in layman's terms, that means, you know, strength therefore becomes specific regarding our training. So if you want to get stronger at back squatting, you know, you should probably be back squatting more often and exposing your system to that demand. If you want to be a better bench presser and a stronger bench presser, then you should probably be doing that a little bit more often than you already are. And, you know, that, that goes into, I think that goes a little bit hand in hand with number three here, and that's strength is a skill. So this is up for debate within the community, but, you know, strength in itself is a skill. You know, the expression of strength through movement, even at its simplest form, is only going to be performed as well as an athlete and his or her ability to express force in a foreign movement. So if athlete A performs deadlifts twice a week, for six months consistently while athlete B has, you know, never performed a proper deadlift before in their life, you know, it's safe to assume that athlete A will be able to express larger amounts of force through that given movement better than athlete B. So I think that's kind of obvious that, you know, no matter what the lift is, if you do it more often and you have a better handle on it than somebody else, chances are you're probably going to be able to Um, put a little bit more intent behind the movement, you're going to be able to put more force into it. And generally, that will equate to essentially more strength in that given movement over time, just because you have a better handle on it than somebody else does. Uh, And number four, and that's, you know, intensity and intent drive adaptations. So I'll keep this as simple as I can, you know, as long as the athlete's level of intent or effort is high, you know, looking to move the weight as fast as they can, given that force equals mass times acceleration, then an athlete can inherently drive up strength numbers. So for example, take an athlete that can lift 225 pounds for three reps on a back squat. Yes, that can be considered strong and a good display of strength, but an athlete that squats 205 pounds for three reps but moves the weight as fast as they can could actually be moving with more overall force than the athlete that's just going through the motions lifting 225 for three simply because physics now is proving that very point that you know intent behind move, the movement can actually be driving better you know overall adaptations in the lift. So the mass may be less. But more acceleration is present, making force driving up in this scenario. So it doesn't always have to be a scenario of more weight, but think about it as every time you have a weight on your back, you're trying to move it as fast as possible. You know, there are scenarios where that is the case in this very um, thing we're talking about. You know, this goes to show that, you know, Putting more weight on the bar, yes, that's important for building strength. But in terms of, you know, driving up force production, you know, 
being able to, you know, go into a workout with the intention of moving something as fast as you possibly can, even though it's heavy, you know, right there, you're driving up more force adaptations over time just by going into your workout with that mindset. And I feel like a lot of younger athletes don't know this, but if you're an advanced athlete listening to this and you want to find a better way to basically, you know, get a little bit more out of your workouts, this is something you should be taking away from it. You shouldn't be just going through the motions. So if you're squatting, don't go with the intention of like, okay, I'm just going to try to lift this up. No, just every time you go to try to get out of the bottom of the hole of that squat, you're trying to drive through the floor as hard as you can and stand up as fast as possible. You know, have that intention whenever you go into the weight room. And I bet you your overall results are probably going to skyrocket, especially as an athlete. And that'll go into, you know, number five, and that is, Strength is context specific and dependent. And you know, this principle is met with one big question that's controversial in a majority of strength and conditioning circles. And essentially, this is the big topic for debate for, you know, this episode is, you know, how strong is strong enough? And, you know, to present that argument, you would have to understand the full context of the question. So, Regarding athletic performance and athlete development, and again, I think, you know, you should pose these questions to yourself. And this is, again, it, it circles back to being basketball strong in, in a way. And the questions will clarify this in a second. But, you know, these are things that you should be asking yourself if you're an athlete. And it's, can you successfully guard your position? Can you do what you need to do on the court offensively? and defensively these are questions you got to ask yourself because if you can't completely answer those questions with a definite yes then my retort to those things would be well then one you're not basketball strong because you know let's let's take a good example of this and i think um if anybody's in the basketball snc world or even in the performance realm of things and and you're familiar with mike g um He's essentially the strength and conditioning coach for Drew Holiday. He's his full-time uh, strength coach, um, and he also works with a large number of NBA professionals uh, in the offseason. Um, he talks a lot about ba- being basketball strong, and you know, I think Drew is a good example of this. Drew Holiday is very basketball strong because not only can he guard his position successfully, offensively, Uh, take care of what he's got to do offensively at his position but also defensively he can guard pretty much one through five i'm pretty sure at one point if you go look at highlights of drew holiday defensively there was a time throughout the season last year i believe when he played the lakers he actually guarded anthony davis in the post and he was actually able to withstand and almost push anthony davis around in the post and kind of had his way with him so in that context if you can't do those things, you know, then you can't possibly be basketball strong and let alone not even possibly be strong enough within the context of your given sport. Meaning, you know, you don't have to have like world record breaking numbers in powerlifting, but as long as you are strong enough to compete at a high level in your given sport and in your specific position, I don't really believe that there's an exact number needed to be strong enough in your sport. And, you know, 
maybe I'm not the best to talk about this, but I feel like that's a very true statement. And, you know, I'll definitely be having some really, really smart individuals on this show in the future to even to go deeper into these topics. But in my opinion, you know, if you can't guard your position, if you can't, you know, do the things that you have to do on the court at your position, then you're one, you're not strong enough in general to play your sport, let alone be basketball strong. Because in my opinion, basketball strong means, you know, I can use my strength in a way that'll help me create advantages for myself on the court and in my given position and for what I have to do in a game to make plays. So take that as you will, guys. Um, Like I said, I will definitely be having some really, really smart individuals on this topic in the future because I feel like we could eat, we could, we could go for hours on this topic alone, but that's just my short and sweet opinion on both being basketball strong and being strong enough when it comes to your sport. So in general, guys, you know, if you took anything away from this, again, I love these little short tidbit episodes because I feel like it's nice, short and sweet. You could listen to these on your way to work. Um, You could listen to these while you're working out really quick and have something that you could take away from it right away and add right into your training. Um, So yeah, if you guys really saw any value from this whatsoever and you have an athlete of yours or you even have a coach that you might know that might benefit from this, throw it up on social media, share it with somebody, you know. If you have any questions, DM me. Uh, The DMs are always open. And uh, yeah, guys, that's going to be it for today. Um, Tune in next time for our next episode. Peace. Peace.